the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We start with Philippians 1.18 and Paul starts out by saying, But what does it matter? So long as either way, whether in pretense for personal ends, or in all honesty for the furtherance of the truth, Christ is being proclaimed. And in that I now rejoice. Yes, and I shall rejoice hereafter also. Now we talked about this verse last week and Paul's referencing two different groups. And one group is a group of believers that have been revived, if you will. Their faith has been renewed. Their desire, God has awakened in them a desire for the furtherance of the gospel. And they have gone out and in their love for Paul, because and it's interesting that the scripture makes this distinction, that they went out in their love for Paul. And you know what they were doing is they were fulfilling what they believed Paul's mission was. In their love for Paul, they were going forward with what Paul would be doing if Paul were free. Now, I'm not saying that they weren't spiritually motivated. Absolutely. I'm not saying that the love of God wasn't part of the motivation. Absolutely. I am saying that they see the mission and the purpose of Paul to bring the gospel forward. And you know, before they'd been afraid to say anything. They were afraid of Rome. But you know, once you've had the revelation of Christ, once you draw near to His presence, you realize that He's so much bigger than the things you're afraid of. And you know what? They decided they had more love for God than they had fear for Rome. And they went out and began to spread the gospel. The others, the others didn't like Paul and were kind of in a religious competition. I don't know why religious folks do that because it's all God anyway, right? But they seem to they seem to get in these little wars, and this this religious group, because they didn't like Paul, decided they were going to stir up trouble for Paul by getting out there and preaching in the name of Jesus, spreading the gospel. Because after all, they saw they felt like Paul was in in prison for spreading the gospel, and if they got that fire kindled, it would cause a lot of trouble for, for Paul. And you know what Paul saw in it? Here's what Paul saw. Paul says, "You know what? I'm in the hands of God." And I am a child of God. And therefore I am in the plan of God. And my God is sovereign. And His plan will be done. His will will be done. And what I see in this is I don't see opposition and I don't see forward. I don't see backwards or forwards. What I see is the sovereignty and the will of God going forward in spite of what everybody else's intentions may be. 
You see, Paul could rest in the fact that truth was going forward, that the plan of God would be completed. And here's what he rested in. I am in the plan of God. Paul rested in, I am in the plan of God. I've not been set aside. I've not been put somewhere where I can't fulfill my destiny. Life has not stopped me. I am exactly where God has put me. And I am blessed. And I am getting to see the joy of my life brought forward by people who don't even like me. Wow. God's sovereign or what? I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm going to take joy in that. Now, the interesting thing is they both had the same plan, but they both had different motives. So Paul begins in this verse and he says, So what? Either way, the gospel's being preached. So what? I am rejoicing. You see, we've got to understand something, Christian. We're in the plan of God. Ephesians 2.10, Romans 8.28. It's not your plan. It's not the world's plan. It's not the devil's plan or the enemy's plan. It's God's plan. And you know why you're in it? Because you're His child. Now, you decide in the plan of God whether or not you are going to embrace the truth that you're in the center of it and participate by faith because you were made for Him and the joy of your life is the work of God and you can dive in the middle of it and believe God is going forward and by faith declare He is going to win the day, that He is victorious, that His plan in you is exactly what you need. You can rejoice in that. You can rejoice in the fact that God is sovereign and that you are in the plan of God or you can deny the plan of God which it's going to go forward whether you accept it or deny it but the difference will be is that you will not experience the joy of life that God has intended for you Jesus said I came that you might have life and that you have it abundantly you'll write it off you'll fight it the whole way you'll be busy trying to secure your plan you'll be busy trying to protect yourself you'll be busy trying to adopt all of the methods and methodologies of the world to be able to say I am secure in my plan How many of you had plans when you were 15 years old? How did they work out? How many of you had plans when you were 20 years old? How did they work out? How many of you had plans when you were 30 years old? How did they work out? You're in the plan of God if you're a child of God. The lost are in the plan of God too. The only difference is they don't have the option to enjoy it. You were made for that plan. Paul says, I rejoice. Now listen to this. Did Paul know what his outcome was? Had Paul even been tried yet? No. But in spite of all that, he makes a declaration. I rejoice. That means not knowing how this is going to affect me for good or ill in this world. I rejoice in the work of God. My focus is God. My desire is the glory of God. And I rejoice. I will continue to rejoice. I will not allow the circumstances to dictate the truth of my life. Philippians 1.19 Paul continues. For I am well assured and indeed know that through your prayers, he's speaking to the Philippians, that through your prayers and a bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ the Messiah, this will turn out for my preservation, for the spiritual health and welfare of my own soul. 
and avail towards the saving work of the gospel. He starts out and says, well, I am well assured. I indeed know. Again, he has no basis for knowing other than he is confident in his God. He is confident in his God. Now, the only way we could understand that is to understand the heart of Paul. And he didn't just receive that confidence. He didn't just enter into that way, paradigm of thinking or that way of thinking. He lived it. Romans 8.28, Paul says, We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan. Whose plan? God's plan. For good to and for those who love God and are called according to His design, premeditated, and purpose. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. I love this. I love the Amplified's version of it. It says, For our light and momentary affliction. Now, can you imagine Paul saying that? You know what that guy has gone through? Most of us have been dead the first week. That yet he did, he, God keeps that man alive. He says, For our light momentary affliction, this slight distress of the passing hour. <laughs> Think of your worst moment in your life. Could you characterize it that way? is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparison and all calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. Can you look at your current situation where you are right now and say that that is produced? and achieving for you an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure? Can you say that about where you are right now? Do you know that that right there does not have any prerequisite? It's talking about the plan of God. That's what God's accomplishing in your life right now. But look where it comes through. It says, Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are visible are temporal, brief, and fleeting. But the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. The work that God is doing in you, the work that He is, the, that he is working in your, in your life, is that He is shaping and He is molding and He is creating in you, in your very soul, in your mind, will, and emotion. He is shaping and molding you in truth. He is growing you in truth. And this is not just for eternity one day. This is right now because He is molding your mind in the circumstance that you're in to be able to see, uh, comprehend, and understand that God is in the middle of where you're at. He is molding your emotions to be able to receive the joy that He has for you. He is molding your will to know that you will choose Him in every circumstance. It has a purpose. Where you're at right now has a purpose. And it's not to get to the next station of life. It's for now. It's for the I Am. Can you say that about your situation now? Paul went into this knowing that he was in God's hands and that all things were working together to bring about the plan of God. And the plan of God is always to reveal His glory. 
which is, should be to the joy and the delight of his children. God's plan is to enrich the souls of his children with the affirmation of his sovereignty, which is what he did when he showed Paul. When he, through, this, through his word, he is continually showing us that he is sovereign. He enriches our souls by letting us know that we're not out here floating around at our, at our whim. But we are literally in His hands. That He is literally working all things to shape and mold life and us to know Him. To know Him. Paul says, I can see the value of that. See, Paul sees the value of the temporal is always revealed in the eternal do you recognize that? We don't, we don't understand the value of life here. We don't understand the value of all that we're going through here. We'll realize it to its fullest in eternity. That's why they say this is a life of faith. Paul recognized that the value is revealed in the eternal. And the participation in the plan of God has a priceless eternal reward that we begin to realize right now. As we are affirmed in his joy and his peace, in a peace that is not normal, in a joy that is not normal, in a rest that is not normal. Paul's continued to talk and he says, I know that through your prayers, when he, at the beginning of that verse, where he says, For I am well pleased and assured. And indeed know that through your prayers, and he's talking about the prayers of the Philippians, and he says, I know that through your prayers. Now listen, I'm going to speak a little bit about the whole issue there. He says, he says I know, and you would read this to say that because the Philippians prayed, but that's not what he's saying. He said, through your prayers, not because of your prayers. He says, through your prayers, that's the meaning of the verse, God's sovereign will is accomplished. Now this is what we know. God's sovereign will is accomplished through the free will of man. Now it takes God to get that done. I can't figure it out. But he does it. And every one of you know that. Because you've made decisions and you've done your own thing and God has taken it and shaped it and you found your life exactly where you thought you'd never go but God took you there. God's sovereign will is accomplished through the free will of men. Pharaoh thought that his purpose was to keep the Israelites in place but his purpose was to display the glory of God. God's sovereign will is accomplished through the free will of man. Having said that, we know now only God could work out His will in the lives of, the, of us because of the choices we make in our lives. But a call to prayer is not a call to shape the sovereign will of God, but it is a call to participate and agree with the will of God concerning the circumstances. you get that? Because there's a lot of misinformation out there that you're going to convince God of something if you just pray long enough and hard enough. That you're going to get him on your, on your pew if you'll, just, if you'll just spend enough time petitioning him. The purpose of prayer is to bring you into the truth of his will. That's the purpose of prayer. It's not to shape and mold his opinion. But it's more about shaping you. Well, Romans 8.27 in regard to that says that he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit 
and what his intent is because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints, look at this, according to and in harmony with God's will. It's how we share the heart of the Father is through prayer. He calls us to prayer so that he can bring divine sanity to the mind, will, and emotion. To bring it into truth. It's also how we enter into the reality of our union in the body of Christ. It's how we enter into the work of God in the lives of others. That's prayer. Now Paul knows that through the prayers, through the prayers of the Philippians, they are literally participating in the work of God in Paul's ministry and in the lives of those people in Rome. So that's why he says, through your prayers. And Paul continues with, And a bountiful supply of the Spirit of God. The Greek word there that he uses, it underlines the generosity of God. That God is the giver because of His great love. You see, here's the thing. Nothing is accomplished apart from the Spirit of God. And there is always an abundance of the Spirit of God. There are not degrees of the Spirit of God. There's not a cup here and a pitcher there and a barrel there. He is always in power and it is always the fullness of His power because the Spirit of God is the manifestation of the will of the Godhead. So we don't have degrees of the Spirit of God. What we have degrees of is our capacity and availability and our desire to experience the work of the Spirit of God. That's where there's a variance. So when Paul says, with the Spirit of God, with the measure of the Spirit of Christ, what he is saying is, listen to this, he knows that Christ is his life. He knows that he can do nothing apart from the life of the vine, John 15. He knows these things. He says, I am nothing. It is Christ in me that is everything. Christ in me that is the hope of glory. He says that measure of the Spirit of God that he's speaking about is Christ in the believer. It's Christ in the believers in Rome. It's Christ in Paul. And he's going to reference it again. It's Christ in him that is going to meet the circumstances. So you see the progression of this. He's in the plan of God. And the plan of God is brought forward by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God manifests the plan of God while Paul is in the center of it. And he is glorified. And that's what Paul's talking about. Don't let somebody take this verse for you and make it conditional. It isn't conditional. Paul knows that nothing is accomplished without the power of the Spirit of God. So Paul is not saying that he's hoping that God will send enough of the Spirit to accomplish the plan of God. He's affirming that it is the plan of God. And if it's God's plan, it will be accompanied by the power of God. Now why is that important to you? Because you're in God's plan. And most of us are are sitting there saying it can't be God's plan because I don't have the power to live in the middle of where I'm at. I don't have what it takes to deal with the circumstances I'm in. I don't have the capacity to deal with the issues of my life. How could this be God's plan? Well, you know who carries out God's plan? God does. Do you know why you're in the middle of this plan? So you can see God. And you know He doesn't want to do it without you. That's why He's got you there. 
So that you can realize that you have a God, that you were made for Him, that He can work through your life, that He desires you. He's not sitting back somewhere waiting for you to arrive at a certain point. You are there. You are there. If you're a child of God, you are in the plan of God. Paul is saying the power of God is here. And it's through the life of Christ in me. And because of that life, it will be good. Paul uses a phrase, this will turn out for my preservation. Or in some translations, this will turn out for my deliverance. Which is an exact quote, word for word quote, out of the Septuagint of Job 13.16. Which says, this will be my salvation. How many of you remember the story of Job? Job was a man who had much. And the enemy came before the Lord and said, He only worships you because he has so much. And he was a righteous man, and he was a good man, and God enjoyed blessing him. This was before the era of grace. And I want to tell you, God said, Okay, you can reach out your hand and touch Job. And eventually he said, You can take everything Job has, save his life. And you know the interesting thing about that is that he didn't take Job's life, and he didn't take Job's wife. Because, gentlemen, the two are one flesh. It's part of your life. He says you can't touch her either. But Job had confidence. He made this statement. He said, this will be my salvation. And the confidence that Job stood in was his knowledge of the character and sovereignty of God, number one. And his innocence, remember this is before grace, and his innocence, number two. Job stood in those two things. Now, Paul is certainly standing in the character. Paul is trusting in the character of God. And while he is innocent, he stands in the righteousness of Christ. You know why that's so important for you to know? Because if you just believe that you can only be in the plan of God when you're acting perfectly, how often are you going to be in the plan of God? When you're behaving just right... Right now is the only time you're going to be in the plan of God? Listen, it's not about your behavior. You're in the plan of God because of the love of God, because of the character of God. And the plan of God is going forward because of the power and the sovereignty of God. And you are standing in the righteousness of Christ. And that's why He blesses you. It is now your cloak, your clothing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But it is from Him that you have a life in Christ, whom God made our wisdom from God, revealed to us a knowledge of a divine plan of salvation, previously hidden, manifesting itself as our righteousness, thus making us upright and putting us in right standing with God. And our consecration, making us pure and holy. And our redemption, providing our ransom from eternal penalty of sin. You have been consecrated. You have been made righteous. You have been redeemed. That is what you're standing in. That is why you're in the center of the plan of God and the purposes of God. Because He has made you thus. Not because you will be thus. But because He has made you thus. God's plan is for you, child of God. Many will not believe that they're living in the plan of God because they refuse to accept the grace that He's given them beyond just salvation. They just can't believe God would give them anything beyond that. 
So they're blinded and they're trying to make their best way in the world. And they're blinded by their own judgments about what is good and bad in life. But the truth is, if you're a child of God, He is working out His plan in you. Because you are His child. And you will only know the reality and the joy of that to the degree you yield. To the degree you yield to the life that is in you. That's how you know it. Others believe that God's plan is to punish them and put them in a place where they can't possibly ever achieve any happiness because of the sin and failures in their lives. But what are you standing in? You're standing in the righteousness of God, not in the behavior of your flesh or your life. So they will not trust or believe the plan of God. But we know Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship recreated in Christ, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. God says, I made plans for you to live a good life. God says in Romans 8.28, He is working all things for your good. Now, can you believe that the plan of God is good for you? Can you? Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.